Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. This week is week seven of the Sermon on the Mount series. And our head elder, Mark Ann, taught this morning. We're looking at Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 through 23. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Casper Alliance Church. Um, let's let's get into the word though this morning. We are going to continue on with our um, <clears throat> our journey. I'll call it through the um, Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we are winding down towards the end of it. We are in Matthew chapter seven. The passage we're going to be in this morning um, is Matthew chapter seven, beginning at verse thirteen through verse twenty-three. So, uh, if you want to turn there, or if you just want to listen to what I'm going to say, I'm going to read that to you now. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's pray. Father God, as we um, just take some time this morning to look at your word, Father, I pray that you would just speak to us, that you would show us the lesson you have for us in this passage, Lord, and that you would work in a mighty way, Father. I thank you. Uh, for the work that you have done in this body. Um, I just thank you for the, the spurring to give that you moved in our midst, Lord God, that we could repair our building and take care of this place that you have entrusted to us. And Father, I just pray now that you would bless us as we spend time in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, preparing a message for a Sunday morning is a process. And for me, and I don't know for other people, for me, a lot of the process is, okay, I kind of know what I want to say. I've done all the time. I've read all the commentaries. I've read the cross-references. I've done all the stuff. I struggle the most with how am I going to kind of format it? How am I going to structure it so it kind of makes sense? It kind of, you know, what you want to do. And so I read all the passages and the commentaries. Um, and it's, it's a pretty straightforward passage, one that we're all pretty familiar with. And I was remembering, for anyone who's here a couple weeks ago when Chris Bird um, preached, and he kind of said the same thing, and he said he was struggling with this passage, which I struggled by this passage. Um, and then he said, I took a walk by a river, and I wanted to say, I took a walk by a river, but I didn't. What I actually did was, um, I was like, I, I prayed, I'm like, okay, God, I really am going to need you to show me 
what I need to say, how I need to say it. And then in taking, instead of taking a walk by a river, I watched a movie, which at our house is I took a nap while a movie was playing <laughs> because we're empty nesters, so we can do that. So, and then when I woke up, I was like, okay, here we go, God. And so the reason I realized that I've struggled with this passage so much is that it reminds me a lot of my own story. So I'm going to start and kind of tell you a little bit of my own story. I'm going to give you a little glimpse into the childhood of Mark Ayan and the early adulthood, I'll say, of Mark Ayan. So I was born into a loving household. A lot of people can say that. A lot of people have said that. Um, I grew up going to church. We went to church every Sunday. My father was in the Air Force for my entire life until 10 years ago, something like that, when he retired. I guess it's probably been 20. It's probably been 20 now. But, um, but my whole growing up years, we were in the Air Force, so we moved around frequently. But my parents were always very good that the very first Sunday we were in whatever town we ended up in, they went and found a church. And we went to that church, and we were faithful to that church, and we were involved in that church, and, and that was our church. And so I always, growing up, considered myself a Christian. And the church I grew up in was really good about um, this liturgy where every week you got to confess your sins and you got to pray for forgiveness. And so I always kind of, in the back of my brain was, I can do whatever I want because Sunday morning, I'll just get to get, be forgiven of it. And so I kind of grew up, grew up with that's kind of what grace is, is the ability to come and say, hey, God, I messed up. Please forgive me, and he will. And then you just do that in a perpetual cycle. So I have to admit, and it sounds like bragging, but honestly, I was kind of the star of my church growing up. I, you know, I was like leader of the pack for the youth group. I got confirmed early. I was a Boy Scout. I sang in church. I did all these things. And when I left, I know people wept <laughs> that I was not going to be there every Sunday for them to see me. And so the church that I grew up in, it was very interesting, they had a, um, they called it like college student weekend, and it was on the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's. That weird little Sunday that falls in there where a lot of people are gone. And so what they do is they have the, the students who are home from college participate in the service and be ushers and all that kind of stuff. Well, being the star of the church, the pastor called me and said, Mark, we'd like you to preach that Sunday. I was like, oh, I can do this because, you know, I grew up in church. I've been a Christian my entire life. So that first Sunday or that Sunday after Christmas, you know, I was like, okay, God, what would you like me to speak to the people of the Ascension Lutheran Church about? And he gave me this passage, which is also scary. But it's Revelation chapter 3, beginning of verse 16, or beginning of verse 15, I'll start. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out my mouth. And I was like, wow, God, really? This is the one you want? 
So I did it. I preached on it. I talked about it. And in my heart, I said, you know what? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to go, when I go back to school, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be hot. So I go back to school. I was going to school. I went to school at CSU in Fort Collins. Sorry for any UW grads. I went to school at CSU in Fort Collins. And one of the first weeks I was back in that new semester, I saw a poster for a concert by a student ministry group called Masterpiece. And I thought, you know what? I was in choir. I did musical theater in high school. I'm going to go check this out. And so I went. And at the end of the concert, they came out and they said, hey, we're starting a new semester, so we're doing auditions. So anybody who is interested in joining this group, come talk to us, sign up, and come audition. So I was like, okay, God, maybe this is my thing. So I go, I honestly, the weird thing is I don't remember signing up. I don't remember even thinking about it until I went to the audition. Um, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, whether there's going to be, like, choreography to learn or what I would have to do, but the audition consisted of two parts. I had to sing Amazing Grace, and there was an interview. Well, of course, I can do all the verses of Amazing Grace, but they only asked for one. And then I did this interview, and um, somehow, for the first time in my life, I had been asked the question. And I don't know if you know what the question is, but the question is this. If you were to die today, and you were standing in front of the gates of heaven, and God said, why should I let you into my kingdom, what would you say? I had never been asked that question before. And so I, I don't know what I said. Honestly and truly, somehow I faked my way through it. I believe that um, Deborah... And Mike, they were the two people who, who interviewed me, and I still remember them, and I'm still friends with them on Facebook, so, you know, we're close. And, um, but I feel like God used Deborah and Mike <coughs> to grab my life and to make me think about this, and they let me into the group. And when I got into this group for the first time in my life, I was in a community of people that was seeking Jesus, living each day for him, trying to further his kingdom, and just trying to go closer to him. So <clears throat> I get involved with this group, and so this would have been like January, February of 1987. So it was a long time ago. Um, the following fall, as a side note, uh, we, it was a new semester, and we were doing auditions, and a lovely, lovely blonde girl auditioned for and got into the group and I will have been married to her on 30 days on or for 30 years for 30 years on Tuesday this week so thank you which that has nothing really to do with the story but it is a big part of my story it has everything to do with my story so as I look at this passage in Matthew you know there's a lot of people who are like you know you have to have a cool title so that you kind of know where you're going. So what I'm calling today is uh, the story of two paths and two guides. So we start with the story of the two paths. And, you know, it, it's pretty clear. You enter by the narrow gate or the wide gate, 
A lot of people go through the wide, not many go through the narrow. And I think I grew up, we all grew up, or we are growing up, for those of you who are still in the process of growing up, in a society that tells us, you know, that wide path, it's okay. You're, you're fine. The wide path is, you know, don't worry about it. I mean, I honestly, and my roommates later in college told me, I was about as churchy as they come. I knew, you know, I knew all the songs. I still knew all the liturgy. I knew the verses and all that kind of stuff. But I was on the wrong path. I was 20 years old, 19 years old, and I was just then figuring out that, you know what? I was on the wrong path. And I know that there are a lot of people in my life. We all know a lot of people in our lives who may be in that same boat. They might be friends or relatives or coworkers that think that they're doing the right thing, but honestly, they're wandering down the wrong path. And it's a hard group of people. I will say this. It is a hard group of people to reach because they don't see that they're doing anything wrong. And they think that they're just fine, and they have convinced themselves that they're just fine. And there may honestly be someone here this morning right now that's hearing this for the first time and going, oh, I'm not sure what path I'm on. So as I look at these two paths, I realize that just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it right. And I think that's what when they talk about the wide path and the narrow path, you have the two paths. And it seems like there's a lot more paths than just two. You know, doesn't it seem like every day there are more and more choices? I can go to this church, or I can watch this guy, or I can read this book, or I don't have to do any of it, or I can, you know, I can commune with nature, or I can go on bike rides, or there's all these things that you can do, and there's so many options. But Jesus really, in this passage in Matthew, narrowed it down to two paths. There's the path with Jesus, and there's the path without Jesus. And that's about as simple as it gets, I think. Um... Without him, you know, I told myself when I went back to college that spring, I'm going to do it. I am going to fix my life, and I'm going to be a good person, and I'm going to do all the right things. And what God really wants me to do is he wants me to do it through the strength of Jesus that comes. So we all know what the wide path looks like, right? Anybody have any questions about what the wide path is? We're all, we've all seen it. We all know people on it. If you don't know what it is, you can go on Facebook, or you can go on YouTube, or you can go anywhere, and you can see the wide path. I'm okay, you're okay. But the narrow path, you know, there's a couple uh, pretty, pretty clear Bible verses that tell us exactly what the narrow path is. The first one I'm going to read is in the book of John, uh, chapter 14, Verse 6, a lot of you may know this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And then in first, first, first Timothy chapter 2, we read, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. 
So the narrow way, there's one way, and that way is Jesus. And it's pretty restrictive, I will say, um, one person at a time. We don't get saved in groups. We can't say, you know what, my whole family, we went and did it, and so now we're all saved. doesn't happen that way. It's one person at a time. And that's where I think it becomes tricky. It's also, it's interesting because a lot of people are like, ooh, the narrow way is hard to find. Mm. It's not. Um, Jesus is pretty clear. I'm the way. Here I am. If anyone hasn't seen me, here I am. And then he told us as a church, hey, stand there and go, here he is. And that's our job as the church. And so I read this um, I, I read this statement. I thought it was really, it, it kind of cut to the chase. It says, there's a chain of hamburger stands which advertise on television, have it your way. It's not Wendy's. For anyone who's wondering, have it your way. This may be a good thing when buying a hamburger, but it is heresy in terms of entering God's heaven. God is totally inflexible on this point. As I have often said, God is only concerned with what you and I do concerning his son, Jesus Christ. If you were God, if you were God and you had sent your son to die the kind of death he died, how would you feel about someone trying to gain entrance into heaven? by rejecting your son and offering in his place filthy rags of self-righteous deeds. God so loved loved us, he sent his son to die for us and to become the way. And so, really, we have a choice. We can follow the crowd or we can follow the Savior. So those are the two paths. The two guides... um, I'll start with verse 15 of Matthew 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. A story about fruits. Beth and I, the other evening, went to another family's home for dinner. Had a lovely time, but I warned him when I left, I said, yeah, I'm going to totally use everything we talked about in my sermon. Do you want me to tell you who it is? We went to Aaron and Veronica Kulak's house. So Veronica's like, hey, I made this. It was going to be jelly, but it's actually syrup, and we're pretty sure it's choke cherry. But I ate some, and it hasn't killed me yet. So do you want to try some? So we did it, and it was really good. I don't know the choke cherry or what it was, but we liked it. But it kind of made me think about this whole thing. Also, we've been watching, okay, there's a show on the History Channel. It's called Alone. And they take individuals and they drop them off, like, in the Arctic. And they have, like, has anyone seen this show? And they have, like, a bow and arrow and a fish hook and an axe and a sleeping bag. And they're like, okay, let us know when you want to leave. And whoever stays there the longest wins. So these people, and they film themselves. So they have a camera and they're always sitting around. These people are going around going, you know what? I think this mushroom is fine. So I'm going to go ahead and eat it. And I'm, like, sitting there going, oh, really? 
Is that, are you, really? So, um, but when we talk about these two guides, you know, and, and Jesus talked about prophets, and you may know some prophets, but I think in today's world, rather than prophets, we're talking about charismatic leaders, we're talking about celebrities, we could be talking about Facebook friends, we could be talking about family members, but there are some kind of leaders out there that for one reason or the other, we follow them, and we believe them, and they do what they say, and this, this passage in Matthew, Jesus is just saying, guys, just be careful about what you're doing. Um, in Luke, he gives a, um, a quick parable. He just said he spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? And, you know, that blind leading the blind, it's a thing. And so, you know, Jesus is just saying, you know what? Watch out for these people. See who they are. Look at their doctrine. Look at their teaching. Look at their character. And ultimately, it's like, is the fruit from this person healthy? He gives us a list in the book of Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying here is, you're following this guide who's showing you a path. Is what this person is saying congruent with God's word? And I guess for me, um, part of where I've always struggled with this passage is that for those of us who are leaders and have an opportunity to come and speak in front of a congregation or a classroom or a family or those kinds of things, it puts some pressure on me to make sure that my fruit and my life is congruent with the things that I'm teaching. And that's scary, and that puts some pressure, and I think that anybody who comes and shares these things has those thoughts and is like, I have to be so, so very careful about what I'm saying. So the last little bit of this passage, beginning of verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I've heard this passage taken out of context so many times in my life. And it kind of made me a little bit, it kind of led to me being a little bit more afraid of this passage. But I think that, that it directly ties to this passage in being aware of being a false teacher or a following a false teacher and a deceitful teacher. Because those are the people I think that Jesus is warning, you know what, these guys just because they're saying all the right things, doing all the right things and look the right way, they're going to come on that final day and say, yeah, I don't know who you are. And so, you know, that's the warning but I think also in some ways it speaks to my own life in the narrow and wide gate. 
because I can be doing all the things that look right. I can be saying all the things that sound right, but the question is, are my motivations right? Am I truly seeking to live a life for Jesus, or am I just putting on a show, and hopefully some people are following me and watching me and saying, oh, I'm going to follow that guy because he has it all together. So the important thing, and Jason spoke about this earlier when we were doing communion, but just because it takes a personal decision to enter that narrow gate, it doesn't mean that once you go through that gate, you're walking down that path alone. That's what the church is for, and that's what God's people are for. I can tell you about relationships that I have had since I was first asked that question in 1987, and I can tell you about those relationships from college that I still am in contact with. I can tell you about people from every church that I have gone to for my entire married life that I am still in contact with, and we still catch up with and see what God is doing in our lives. And those are the people that have helped me get down the path. Because it's not an easy one, right? We all know once I become, Je once I become a follower of Jesus, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. There's going to be pain. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be temptation. There's going to be joy, and there's going to be happiness, and there's going to be triumph. But there's also going to be discipline, and there's going to be a lot of gross, yucky stuff along the way. But we here at this church believe that we are fighting forward together through our hope in Jesus. And so when you're in the middle of that, and you have chosen that narrow path, and we rejoice with you over that, when things get stupid gross, we're here to walk with you, and to help you, and to edify you, and to sustain you, and that's, that's our purpose. So earlier I stated, it's our choice. I can't tell you, well, I can tell you, take that path. I can't make you take the narrow path. But at some point, every single person on this planet has to make that decision on their own. Am I gonna take the narrow path? Am I gonna take the path with Jesus? Or am I going to take this other path, the one without him? So let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the truth that is in it. But Father, most of all, I thank you that you sent your son to die for us and to be the way to spend eternity with you. And Lord, as each one of us is faced with that decision, Father, I pray that you would strengthen them, strengthen us as we make those decisions, Lord. And Father, most of all, I just pray that we as your church would walk alongside each of those people, Lord. Father, that when we see people struggling, when we see people suffering, Father, that we could come up and we could put our arms around them and we can just show them your love. Father, I just thank you for, um, for your goodness in offering us this choice. Lord, we don't have to do anything to earn it. We don't, have to, we don't have to look very far, Lord God. Every day, you are standing there waiting for us to choose the choice to follow your son. And Lord, I just ask now that you would go with each of us, Lord, as we leave this place. Father, I ask that you would fill us with your spirit, 
that you would fill us with your power and you would fill us with your love, Father God, that we can um, shine your light into a dark world, Lord, and we can point people to the path, the path where your son is waiting. Thank you, Lord, and go with us in Jesus' name. Amen.